Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the next episode of On the Mic with Mike. I am your podcast host, Instructor Mike, and this moment has been brought to you today by Security Training Concepts. For all your concealed carry needs, go to Security Training Concepts. They specialize in unarmed and armed security. They specialize in fingerprinting. They specialize in per card processing. They also specialize in concealed carry training in the state of Illinois. We are Illinois licensed by the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. We're also licensed by the Illinois State Police to conduct the concealed carry courses. Also for anger management, court-ordered anger management, and community service hours, Security Training Concepts, 455 West 79th Street by Normal Avenue in Chicago. Their website is www.chicagosecuritytrainingconcepts.com. All right, so we are talking about what if, what if Jesse Smolnett was in fact a victim? Okay, those of you all who have heard about the attack or the alleged attack against Jesse Smolnett, the uh, 30-something-year-old, I don't know his exact age, so it's not saying that in a, uh, in a discriminative or uh, otherwise manner. I just don't know his full age. But he's a 30-something-year-old male uh, actor okay, who has announced that he is gay and has announced that for quite some time. He acts on Fox's empire. okay, And so for those of you that follow uh, Empire or watch the show Empire, you're aware of the attack where he alleged that two white males dressed in ski masks uh, accosted him at a Streeterville area uh, hotel or a place where he was staying at his residence and shouted, and shouted MAGA, which is the abbreviations for Make America Great Again, uh, and also assaulted him with bleach or some type of liquid substance, believing to be bleach, and also placed a noose around his neck. Now, since then, Chicago police have stated that they have not seen any evidence other than seeing him in the camera frame in Subway and then stepping out of camera frame for approximately 60 seconds and then reappearing with a rope-like uh uh, rope around his neck or rope-like object around his neck and also seeing uh, no sign of any assailants in the area. They have also released uh, pictures of two figures who they just automatically assumed to be male. We don't know if it's male, female, boy, girl, teen. We don't know uh, anything of the sort in terms of what type of figure or person this may be. Excuse the background noise. I am cleaning up <laughs> my business as well. So I'm multitasking. One of the joys of being an entrepreneur as a, an entrepreneur, as an instructor. Um, so we don't know who these figures are, but in any event, they have released uh, these pictures of these uh, ghost-like figures who might have been in the area at the time of the attack, but there's no uh, evidence to provide that they were in fact the attackers. So, uh, and I, well, I got I got to mention the video uh, where he performed at a club in California, where he likened himself to a gay version of Tupac. Those of you all don't know who Tupac is, that's the rapper Tupac Shakur. Uh, Shakur. Um, and so he, you know, he fought back, and you know that his uh, ribs weren't broken, but he was bruised and other type of statements that he made. So that's not the purpose of this podcast, just refreshing your memory as to the latest events. So the purpose of this podcast is to look at what if he was in fact a victim, okay? Despite my education and experience, 
uh, in criminal investigations and the criminal justice system. And, you know, um, you know, I'm going to put another podcast together, which I hope that you listen to about the optics of victimization, you know, uh, and I don't want to spoil it for you because sometimes I tend to talk about it and I'll just go or mention the title and I'll just go right into it. But we automatically labeled him as a victim without any kind of qualification other than his assertion of what happened. And I want you to understand that the criminal justice system is an adversarial system where it needs someone to be at fault, in essence. Someone has to be the victim. And so it is also a system that is also based on the proof for one's allegations. Now, there are certain crimes where a person has been convicted with very little uh, proof at all. But um, yeah, there are situations yeah, like where a person has been convicted of very little proof. But in this situation, we're going to assert for the basis of this podcast that he was in fact a victim. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, why did he become a victim of a dastardly attack, which if in fact, if it did occur, it is extremely racist, extremely homophobic, and no one, regardless of your race, creed, color, religion, national origin, or any of the federally protected classes should be a victim of any such crime like that, okay? But when we look at it, how did someone like him, an African-American gay male actor, how did someone like him or even him become a victim when they were unable to defend themselves? Now, I know he stated that he fought back. I'm going to call BS on that because if you fought back, to the level that you are trying to make us in the public believe, no one would have been able to put a noose around your neck. Now, you can't control liquids. A person can put liquids on you. You know, you can't control that. All you can do is try your best to shield yourself from that liquid hitting certain critical areas like your eyes, nose, mouth, things like that. So I'm not uh, focusing on the liquid attack per se, if in fact such a liquid attack even occurred. But let's look at the noose. How was someone able to put a noose around your neck which requires access to your neck? I will tell you this, as a firearms instructor uh, who has been teaching people about firearms formally for the past 10 years and even informally for the past probably about 13, 14 years, okay? I can tell you this, first of all, if Jesse Smolnett had a concealed firearm on him, he more likely than not, had he been paying attention, okay, he more likely than not would have repelled any type of attacks that would have come on him. I can tell you this, two or more persons who have gathered together in concert to commit a crime against you that placed you in reasonable apprehension of receiving a battery could be classified as mob action according to Illinois law and depending upon the circumstances, the use of force and depending upon the circumstances, the use of deadly force would definitely be authorized, okay? Now, Illinois was the last state in the union to get concealed carry. July 9, 2013, the Illinois legislature, because of their losing 
a court case, all right, was told that it is unconstitutional for you to ban handguns from Chicagoans and in the state of Illinois because the right to bear arms is a fundamental right granted to citizens in the Constitution. Now, you've got people who are opponents of people having guns. We call them pro-gun control, right? you got people in the gun control uh, uh, faction, and it's a large one, right, who state that the Constitution or the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution has been misinterpreted by the gun-loving public to have them believe that they are supposed to own guns when, according to them, the militia, being the military, is supposed to be the are supposed to be the only ones, the military supposed to be the only ones that own guns. For those of you all who, not, who do not understand the uh, uh, Second Amendment, I'll read it to you or state it to you. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-regulated militia, they capitalize on that. Well, you, the individual citizen, you're not a part of the militia. I tend to disagree. Why do I disagree with that? Because the militia is made up of the citizenry. The United States Army, United States Marine Corps, Tun Tavern, right? United States Navy, United States Air Force, which, which, which is the youngest branch, if you will, of the four original branches before the Coast Guard, right? They're, they're part of the United States Armed Forces too, okay? But the Air Force didn't come to about, what, 1947? I think somewhere during or at the end of the World War, uh, well, during the World War, right? I would say during or in the World War, one of those two, during that time period is when the Air Force was born, 1947, because it was the Army Air Corps then, right? But the militia is made up of the citizenry. That's right, you or I. And I actually served in the military. Okay, so a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And those of us who love guns, who love the Second Amendment, who love the fact that we are able to defend against deadly attacks such as the one that is alleged to have occurred against Jesse Smollett knows that, yes, you can use hands. Yes, you can use conventional and unconventional weapons. Okay, you got your, your batons, your bats, your, your ropes, but you can also use pens, chairs, tables, things that are not designed as weapons, but that can be used as weapons for your own self-defense, like the Subway sandwich, right? I'm just saying. It's good to eat, but if I was getting attacked by two people, regardless of race, that Subway sandwich would not be in my hand. That Subway sandwich would have been used as a bat because they give it to you in a tube-like bag, right? Now, that's not, to say this. that's not to state that the Subway sandwich would have been effective, no, but that is to state what kind of fight was put up. I'm curious because I saw the picture uh, and if you've seen the picture of Smolnitz's face, you can tell that it was Lee Daniels, the producer of Empire, who took the snapshot 
of Jesse Smollett's face and put it out there. Those of us who have IMO, FaceTime, who use that frequently can understand or look at the picture and tell when the when Jesse's face is large and Lee Daniels' face is small, that is from Lee Daniels' point of view, not the other way around. The person on the phone's picture is smaller than the person whom you're calling. That's the purpose of FaceTime, not to see yourself as much as to see the next person. So if, in fact, he was a victim of that dastardly attack, two men who are in ski masks, who are automatically stated to be white, with such racial and homophobic hatred, who went through the, the, the trouble, if you will, and if they're intending on doing deadly uh, damage to a person or deadly harm to a person, it's not the trouble for them. That's just what they went through. They went through the trouble or through the skill required to avoid all of those cameras just to get to you and scratch the side of your face. And then after having scratched the side of your face, was able to have access to your neck to put a noose around your neck. Would any of this have been possible had Jussie had a gun? Now, I don't know if he's a resident of the state of Illinois. I don't know that. I don't know if he, even if he is a resident of the state of Illinois, if he had a concealed carry permit. But I would tell you this, those of you all who don't know about the history of Illinois concealed carry, especially as to how we got it, Otis McDonald, I believe that's his name. Quote me if I'm, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But Mr. McDonald was against guns too until he became the victim of a crime. And then he sat back in the wake of that incident and realized that the great equalizer is death. And what will enable a person to be able to defend themselves against such a dastardly attack is a gun. What do you want me to do, lie to you? So if Justice Smollett had a firearm, would he have still been accosted? If he had the ability to protect himself, because we know he didn't fight. I don't care what Jussie says, Jussie did not protect himself. And that attack didn't occur the way he said it did, if it even occurred at all. He received some injuries, but it was from something else, not what he said. So we're gonna go ahead and take a break, okay? And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. All right, so we're back with On the Mic with Mike. Again, I'm your host, Instructor Mike, firearms instructor, all that great stuff. So let's get back to the topic at hand, okay? We were just talking about Jussie Smollett and what could he have used to likely defend himself? So let me help you learn some lessons from this Jussie Smollett incident. Look, obviously, stardom does not make you exempt from attack, right? Stardom does not make you exempt from an attack. Here you have in the most, depending upon where you are in Chicago, said to be one of the most violent cities in the United States of America. Now, I would dispute that, but it's said to be that, okay? But even in the most heavily surveilled areas such as Streeterville, which is a part of 
downtown Chicago in that area. Heavily surveilled. SWAT teams, police officers, cameras, both public and private, citizens, all times of the day and night. How? How did he become a victim of a crime? And what, if anything, can you learn from this incident? Well, one, we talked about it. Your stardom doesn't prevent you from being the victim of a crime. Two, you're better off with a gun and having the ability to protect yourself because you want to plan for things when they are good, not for things when they are bad. If Jesse would have planned for things when they are bad, he would have had the ability to be able to protect himself. How do you act on a television show such as Empire? Where in the cast or in the in the storyline, if you will, you are the son, the gay son. Not that, that not that you can't be the straight son, but that's your role. You're the gay son of a father who used to be a drug dealer, music producer who has exacted violence by using a gun. Dre, your other brother who has used a gun. Hakeem, I believe, in the series, has used a gun. They get it. Why don't you? The characters get it. Why, why, why don't you? And I'm not saying the gun is the only thing that you can use. You can use other things. Remember, we talked about earlier unconventional and conventional weapons. Conventional weapons, whenever I ask students about what are typically, when you think about weapons, what comes to mind, the typical thing they will say is a gun. They will say is a knife, right? And these are the typical weapons that you hear of all the time. You hear these all the time. However, there are other unconventional weapons that you can use. But why, why is it that you have a, a subset, faction, whatever term you choose to describe a, a portion of our society that really has a problem with guns. And I get it. Mass shootings, you know, the school shootings, violence that occurs in certain areas. And if you notice the, the, the gun control lobbyist or the gun control people that advocate for gun control, only talk about gun control when there are mass casualty incidents affecting the most protected, if you will, people of our society. But we don't hear the continual calls for gun control as much when certain neighborhoods in Chicago are plagued with gun violence in black and brown neighborhoods, more so black than brown. And I'm not making this a conversation about race per se, but it is a factor. It is a factor. And so focusing on race, I know I said I was going to do that, but let's go on ahead and do that, right? It is ever more present and ever more the case that gun control only seeks to hurt those who are historically disenfranchised. Because I'm going to tell you this. 
white people are not giving up their guns. I'm sorry. I know <laughs> you all probably thought it was going to be some other, you know, uh, uh, more sophisticated statement or a better way to say it. Look, I'm just going to keep it real. Look, white folks are never giving up their guns. And I'm going to tell you this. White folks are never giving up their guns because, first of all, this country was founded on the hit on the desire to be free from oppression. Taking another country by force using or exacting violence. I wish it were something different. And so throughout the, the building of this nation, the primary way through which we were able to acquire more property, more land, more resources to sustain America is through the use of violence even if it's implied before it became actual. See, what makes us the powerful nation in the world, if you will, is not because of our education, our, our education system or our you know, exports and things like that. Look, no, what makes us the most powerful nation in the world, aside from you know, being free and things like that, and don't get me wrong, this isn't an anti-American statement. I am ever more the patriotic. I, I can't, oh my God, what kind of word was that? I'm sorry. I am ever more the patriot, okay? Ever more the person who, uh, if my country called me up right now to go to war, I would go. Served in the military, love this country, been to other countries, and going to other countries will make you realize how, how good you got it. Even though we have our problems in America, how good you got it in America, because you don't want to be in other countries for they have it worse. And just when you think you're the only one who struggled, you're not. That having been said, this country was founded on violence. And what makes us the most powerful nation in the world is not what we have in it, per se. It's the people that we have and the violence that we are able to exact upon those who will not deal with us. We have nukes all over the place. We have military resources all over the place. We have our hands almost in every person's or every country's business. That's what makes us the most powerful nation in the world. Aside from Russia, right? And so to prevent from global uh, catastrophe, if you will, Russia and the United States deal with each other. Whether they like each other or not, they deal with each other. So back to guns. Let's not make this a, a world, you know, uh, podcast. That's not what this is about. Just using that to prove the point. So white folks are not giving up their guns. They're the predominant race. They're the ones who started it, right? Started everything that we have today, right? And so they're not giving up their guns, immersed in gun culture. So why is it that a, a black person would be against guns? I'm, I'm curious about that. Well, because the police carry them and because the military carry them and we have been the historically disenfranchised and we have been this and we have been that. We've been slaves, we've been this, we've been that. Yeah, but the gun has also been used to liberate. The gun has also been used to set people free. The gun has also been used to protect. Contrary to popular opinion in certain neighborhoods, right? The gun has been and will continue to be used to keep our properties safe from those in our community who look like us, who choose to take what we go to work to earn, what we've worked so hard for. 
So is it possible that Jesse Smolnick could have not only been a champion for gay rights, which is his right to champion? Nothing against that. Nothing against the LBGT community too. But how do you champion freedom and equality with gay rights and not champion that same freedom and the desire for it by championing guns? The thing, the tool that could have perhaps saved his life. How do you not champion that as well? Well, no, 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 because you remember the Orlando nightclub shooting where the Muslim or the, the, the uh, we call him Muslim or the uh, Arabic uh, young man went into the nightclub and shot up all those gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, and whatever the other letters are, persons within that club. And that was considered to be at the time or is currently the largest massacre of people based on nothing more than their sexual orientation, Michael. We can never be for guns. Well, I will tell you this, if somebody in that club, maybe not in that club because there was alcohol being served, right? But if there was a greater security contingency of gay folks, right, who were on insecurity, they don't have to be straight. Let's just make them gay. Gay, strong, and muscular, and ready to kill, if you will, or ready to stop the deadly threat, right? If there was a contingency of people in that club who were prepared to exact violence against someone who sought to, to kill them, how many people do you think would have been killed before that terrorist, if you will, would have been stopped? You know, I'm going to go on ahead and do a project, and I'm going to see, okay, because I'm a lover of research, you know, I'm going to see if in all of these places, all of these soft targets, if you will, where these active shootings have occurred, if these shootings have occurred in areas where they don't support guns, because it's crazy for you to vote or take actions against your own best interest, you know? So what have you learned out of what you've listened to today? And this wasn't going to be a long rant because, you know, honestly, I don't believe Jesse's attack occurred the way he said it did. I, I just don't believe in it. No one can convince me that it did. Right. But I just wanted to take the time out while I'm again cleaning up this morning for my class that I have. You know, I just wanted to take this time out to to ask you, what, if anything, are you going to do to protect you? No, Jesse did not fight because there was no situation that caused him to have to fight. But if that attack were real, one, he probably would have been dead or gravely bruised. Let's, let's be honest. Okay. Because a person who has the capability to evade cameras wants to do something way more to you than just put a scratch on your face. That means I want to do some major, major, major violence, and I don't want to be caught. If I'm just going to put a scratch on your face, that's simple battery. That's bonded out at $100. I can, I can post that. I'm not going to evade a camera to kick your ass. But if I'm going to evade cameras and have a noose and bleach, oh, somebody's going to die. If that's what I intend on doing. Because I don't want to be caught. And so look at how many situations occur where police get grainy videos and come up with no suspects. If they come up with a suspect out of this video, that's going to be troublesome 
for the criminal justice system that they were able to come up with a suspect out of that video and that video alone. Video camera or not, police or not, what are you going to do to protect yourself? Your stardom, your fame, your popularity, your friends. No matter how many celebrities come out and support Jesse Smollett, they were not there when he got his ass whooped. Allegedly. No matter how much you you say no hate against this and no hate against that, no one's going to be there to protect you. That's your responsibility. Protection is your responsibility. And I end with this. Warren versus District of Columbia. If you follow me, you've heard me say this before. And there's another case. It just doesn't come off the uh, top of my head, but I'm going to quote it when I get it again. Warren versus District of Columbia, right? The police do not have a specific duty to you to protect you. That is a public duty that is given to the public at large. If you want protection for yourself, you have to either A, hire a bodyguard who has a specific contract with you to protect you, the individual, or you have to do it yourself. This is the government saying this to you by way of a court case. You gotta protect yourself. Jesse has to protect himself. I don't care what he says, he didn't fight back. There was no fight that happened. Not to that extent where he fought back. He fought back against his attacker that might've been in the hotel. He fought back against his attacker that might've been in that garage. But that was the most softest, racially filled, homophobic field, 60 seconds or less attack that I've ever seen in my life. Arguably that anybody has ever seen in their lifetime based on race. You have that much hatred where hatred bears a scratch. So if that attack were real, what should he have done to protect himself? Because those of you who listen probably live in communities that are great. And some of you are listening, if not most of you are listening in communities that are not so great. So what can you learn from Jesse? If his stardom can't protect him from being attacked, your basic ass definitely need protection. Yeah, I said it. Get offended. Give a shit. Facts. You need to protect yourself. And I hope that you learn a lesson from this and from his attack and others like it so as not to be a victim. Thank you for listening to On the Mic with Mike and stay tuned for the next podcast. I love you. And I'm only telling you this because I love you. Stay safe.